And we're live. Welcome to Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs. My name is Mustafa Hosseini, and I'm your host for the show. At Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs, we share tips, actionable advice, and strategies that you could use on a daily basis and boost your confidence in different parts and areas of your business. Um, during the show and after the show, we always have a draw for the gift. And for you to enter the draw for the gift, if you like the show, like uh, leave a comment, ask a question, tag a friend who could benefit from the conversation that we're having with our guests uh, before, during, or after the show, uh, you enter your name for the draw. Also, if you subscribe to any channel, the channel that you're watching, whether it's on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, and or if you're watching or listening to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and other platforms, if you write a review or rank the show, uh, you also enter your name for the draw. I have an amazing guest, Corey Perlman. Welcome, Corey. Thank you, Mustafa. It's good to be here, buddy. And so today we're talking about how to avoid social media overload. So uh, let me do the proper intro intro with Corey. And uh, I, we're going to get right started. We've got some very important topic, social media, which is very hot these days. And that's what we're going to dive into. So. Corey Perlman is a speaker, consultant, and nationally recognized social media expert. His latest book, Social Media Overload, ranked number one on Amazon.com in every major business category. Corey has spoken for brands such as General Motors, the PGA Tour, and Cisco Foods on how to drive business results through social media. His company, Impact Social Inc., employs a team of highly skilled digital specialists that manages social media accounts for over 40 businesses. When not working, Corey loves singing Jimmy Buffett lyrics to his young son and trying to overtake his teenage daughter for most Instagram followers. Welcome, Corey. Thank you. That's an uphill battle, Mustafa. It'll, tell, oh, that, yeah. it'll never happen. <laughs> Kids know how to use uh, social media. Like, Amen. They, they live on it, right? Yes, sir. Like my five-year-old is getting there and he's, he's just five. Yeah. He's like coming up with ideas. He's spending a lot of time on YouTube watching, <laughs> um, cartoons and uh, the new kids are growing up on social media. Yeah. And they watch stuff. My kid watches other people play video games, which is the weirdest thing to me. But yeah. Yeah. They do. That's a thing. That's a thing. It's that's strange. a thing. Yes. And the kids that actually broadcast their games on social media, they make a killing out of it. They do. They make more money than we do. I don't know yeah. what's going on in the world today. But... <laughs> I should get into gaming. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Corey, how, what is your story? How did you get into uh, doing what you're doing now? Yeah, Mustafa, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll keep it brief so we you know, keep the value uh, uh, running for your listeners and, and watchers and such. But um, I've been in this business for over a decade. Uh, I started with uh, General Motors teaching car dealers about the internet. And we went on, uh, when I was a, a youngster out of college, went on tour uh, with GM, uh, going city to city in a 12-passenger uh, van. Uh, and, and we literally did that for six months, going to about 30 cities. And during that trip, I met a, 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 a woman who was on tour with us who became uh, good friends and ended up becoming my wife. So that was awesome as well. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I worked on a startup for a few years and we sold that startup. And then I went into a, a kind of consulting for clients and such on digital. And I wrote my first book called eBootCamp. 
And um, it, it, it was traditionally published by Wiley and kind of kickstarted my speaking and consulting career. And then I started getting asked by lots of different industries just to help do their social media and digital marketing. So uh, I didn't have enough bandwidth to do it all myself. So I created an agency and uh, we've been doing it for 10 plus years ever since. And um, we get to work in all kinds of fun industries, uh, helping people do their social media and digital marketing. And um, I've got a staff of about seven to eight people um, and we work with businesses all over the globe. So it's really fun. Beautiful. Is there any specific type of businesses that you guys uh, try to serve? Yeah, I would say professional services. So, you know, dentists, mortgage brokers, that kind of thing. We also work very uh, closely with Dale Carnegie and uh, personal and development leadership training and such. Beautiful. So what is the deal with this uh, social media overload? What is the problem? Yeah, so I think, you know, um, it can it can obviously be in a lot of different uh, areas of people's lives, but I focus on it mostly from a business standpoint. And um, a lot of times when I'm talking to industries uh, and people about social media, they're very frustrated and have been for a while. And simply because uh, there constantly is this these new sites popping up and trying to figure out how to manage all of them effectively. And so my big thing and the reason I wrote that book and still to this day, it's four years later, I still uh, say this quite a bit is, you know, I'm a big fan of focusing on a few and doing them really well, as opposed to being a jack of all social media sites, master of none. So it's really about figuring out where your customer base is hanging out on social and meeting them there and staying away from the, you know, hot social media sites uh, that may just be distracting you or your audience. Okay. And so, um, so you've done a whole bunch of stuff. How did you narrow it down to social media? How did you end up on with all the work that you've done? Um, it was really kind of a, a, a sort of a, a path or a journey started on internet marketing back in the day, SEO websites, um, and then over time, you know, social media has just become such a behemoth from a marketing standpoint. Now, all that being said, a question I'm often asked around that is, are websites still important? Is SEO still important? And the answer is absolutely. They work mm -hmm. hand in hand with social media and um, work really well together. One thing I always note whenever I talk about websites, it's an important detail. And it's the fact that we own our websites and we can't say that about other Sites like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever, that's all uh, rented leased space. And um, they can change the rules. We've seen it happen on a moment's notice. And that's why I think websites are so important and why we should continue to invest in them and modernize them and uh, nurture them um, year in and year out. I think that's very important. Uh, but, you know, social media is, is, a primary strategy for most businesses. And the, the question again, always comes down to what's moving the needle. And uh, I would tell you that uh, just to give people some real actionable takeaways here, generally speaking, the top three um, for most businesses that are, you know, in the spectrum that we work with is the acronym FIL, F-I-L, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Over my decade plus doing this, I have found those three platforms to, to provide the most results in social media. Um, Twitter, distant fourth. Pinterest is good with some industries, um, you know, and other ones, Snapchat, TikTok. But those are the primary three I tend to see the most results on. 
Fantastic. And gang, uh, Corey and I are talking about uh, social media uh, overload and overwhelm. If you have any questions about social media and how to uh, deal with social media, pop them in the chat box, whichever platform you're on, and we'll try to do our best to answer your questions. Now, Corey, why do most people or businesses get poor results from social media? What is the deal there? Yeah, I would say the first answer to that is, you know, something we've already touched on, which is just being trying to be everywhere and being mediocre at best. And that's part of the reason that I try to get people to focus on a few and do them really well. It's not that you can't get results on sites like, you know, and I use TikTok and Snapchat as my typical example because they're kind of like the new hot things, but it really depends on your industry. If somebody's listening and says, well, Corey, my demographic is 18 to 24. Then I would say, oh my gosh, you know, TikTok and Snapchat are absolutely the platforms for you. But I tend to deal with audiences that are 30 to 55. And um, it doesn't mean that you can't see results on a site like TikTok. But what I see tends to happen is that it distracts us from focusing on Instagram or, or diving into the features that may get you more results on Instagram. So if, if I can give a couple examples of that, sure. uh, you know, if, if Instagram and Facebook are say your dominant platforms, you know, and you're, you're working on creating quality content, which is important, but there are features within each of these platforms that will help you get more engagement. For example, on Instagram stories or reels um, are great features that both in, that Instagram is really pushing hard right now. So anytime, you know, any of our real estate clients or, um, you know, uh, dental clients or mortgage clients are looking for more engagement. One thing that we'll try to do is, is find ways to create these, these stories or reels within their platforms. And it's like free advertising from Instagram. They push it because that's a feature that they're pushing. Same thing goes with Facebook. You're on, we're on live right now. You know, Facebook live from a video standpoint has been a hot feature for Facebook for, for about, you know, two or three years now and yep. still is. And you know that. Um, I think that's really important. And then just video in general. And I'll even say with LinkedIn is a great platform. If I'm talking to some professional services, some B2B folks out there, and you're looking to kind of up your game on LinkedIn, you know, think about video, um, apply to be LinkedIn live. And if you don't get LinkedIn live right away, um, post some videos on LinkedIn and watch your engagement. We tend to find, um, that we get a little bit more uptick in engagement because again, LinkedIn is pushing video very hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> now, uh, I know we talked about trying to be on multiple social media platforms and trying to own it all. What are some other myths that people have about social media? Um, you know, a couple of myths out there. One would just be, you know, uh, that you if you post it, they will come, I guess, to some degree. And I don't even know if mm -hmm. that's a myth anymore. But it's worth saying that I just said this. Um, on another call that I was on, and it's a big thing for businesses out there. If you're a business and you're using social media for marketing, you got to have an ad budget. So just write that down, circle it. You know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but five years ago, you'd ask me that question. I say, no, you know, there's a lot of organic stuff we can do um, that moves the needle and all that. But nowadays, Facebook, Instagram, you know, you post anything out there in a business page. We all know this. You got 100 fans only about five or 10 of them are even going to chance to see it without sprinkling the magic pixie dust on it. So just note that if you're a marketer out there, if you're within a company and 
you know, you've been struggling with, with the, you know, the direction or, you know, the executives are like, why aren't we getting more engagement? You can share this with them and tell them that I said, Hey man, you got to have an ad budget. And then the people typically ask me after that, well, what, what kind of ad budget should we have? Well, that obviously depends on the business, but I'll give you an answer to that. Um, typically with our clients, which are small to medium sized businesses, we'll have anywhere on the low end from say $250 up to a thousand, maybe even $2,000 specifically of ad budget that goes to these platforms. And, and we'll spend that money, some of it on boosting or promoting posts. And so if you, I just told you to create a video, so we're talking to a real estate agent and they want to do a virtual, um, you know, listing and they take people through the house and it's beautiful and they post this to their Facebook. You got to boost it, right? You know, spend 20, 40, $60 and get more people seeing that post. And of course you're going to see more engagement that way. Mm -hmm. And then the other money that I might spend on, on behalf of advertising on Instagram and Facebook would be more traditional ads, promoted posts, sponsored posts that will go out to different groups, different people besides the people that are engaging with your page. And, and the beauty behind social media is the amazing way that we can target demographics. Again, I'll just use the real estate agent example. Um, obviously, uh, geography, location, uh, age group, um, likes and interests, male, female, and it goes on and on. And we can really narrow that target to quality mm -hmm. people. But the bottom line is, is <clears throat> We just can't expect great results today without having an ad budget behind us. Got it. Uh, Curry, Adele says, uh, ad budget is good, but their service suck. They don't respond and it make you feel like you're a guilty party. What do you say to that? Well, if he's if he's talking about Facebook or Instagram, you know, yeah, I mean, we're a, we're a small fish in a gigantic pond, right? So um, that can be challenging. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, you if you're having trouble, you know, I guess hearing from them, things of that nature, uh, you can certainly try. What I tend to tell people is if you're willing to spend money with Facebook and Instagram, they, they tend to be willing to communicate with you. I guess you just I would just, you know, in your correspondence with them say, hey, I'm looking to increase my ad budget, but I'm having some challenges that I need help with. And if they don't respond, I'd be pretty surprised about that. Most of our challenges communicating with Facebook, Instagram is when it's more uh, customer service related and not advertising related. Um, I don't know if that helps or not, but. Absolutely. And I think uh, Adele, to your question, it, it probably takes time to optimize an ad to uh, to get it to work and to have the right target market, right copy, you know, the whole thing. So. I think it's a, it's a learning process as well. Yeah, let me give you one quick um, best practice to if you are interested in in obviously social advertising and you're playing around with it. The again, I just use our experience, so take it with for what it's worth. But two of the areas that we found to get the most bang for our buck from a pure social advertising standpoint, one is remarketing. And for those that most of you probably know what remarketing is today, but just in case, um, if you're searching for a spatula on Amazon and then that spatula follows you around all over the internet, that's remarketing. And we can do it too, which is super exciting. So somebody goes to your website and you can drop a little pixel on them and they go back to their social platforms and we can stay top of mind with them, which is really powerful. And we like using that quite a bit with our clients. 
The other one is a lookalike audience, which I absolutely love. And what that essentially is, is whether or not we give them a database, them being Facebook, Instagram, or they visit a website and we again, drop a pixel, we figure out who that audience is. And then we develop an audience or Facebook develops an audience of like demographics. Mm -hmm. So again, if I give them a list of people in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that are typically aged 30 to 60, um, 60% female, whatever, then Facebook creates a new demographic for me to advertise to that have like de uh, demographics, which is pretty powerful. Got it. <clears throat> is there any, any, any mistakes that people make with social media that comes on top of mind? Other than yeah, what about? A big one is phoning it in, you know, uh, another thing. So I, I, I dropped two kind of crappy bombs on, on you on this, on this uh, call today. One is you got to spend money, which is never fun to hear. And the other one is you got to be super creative and compelling um, with your content, you know? And, and so I just was on, the phone or uh, I did a consultation with a bunch of kitchen and bath dealers and their primary posts were beautiful products and they are beautiful, but that was it. And that's not enough to move the needle, you know? So some things that I would suggest to stop phoning it in on your social would be humanizing the brand. So what can we do on our business platforms to get behind the scenes, to show the human side of our brand? Um, that might be meeting your staff. That might be getting more connected with your community. Um, that might be showing your face more, doing more video, um, trying to add more value that way. That might mean humor. That might mean levity. That might be uh, a ray of sunshine uh, in some very dark times on social media, as we've seen in the past. Um, but that's what I mean by phoning it in is just kind of the standard, boring articles, pictures. We got to do better than that. I remember, I'm dating myself here, Mustafa, but I got to mention it because it was one of my favorite examples. It was uh, Blendtec Blenders many, many years ago. And the guy was tasked with getting their blender from B to B to B to C. And he had a very limited budget. And he decided to start blending random household objects in the blender. Yeah. You probably remember this. Yeah. And then they blended an iPhone, one of the early edition iPhones, and it went bananas. And not only did it go viral, but it also helped sell more blenders to consumers. And yeah. I tell that story simply to say that even a blending manufacturer can find ways to be creative and do things different on social media. Yeah, I think the title was Will It Blend? Correct. And he would just throw random things in there and see if it would blend. Yes. And then the next thing people were waiting for would be the latest version of iPhone or Android which would be like a thousand bucks. Now it's two grand. And they, he would throw it in there and see if it would blend and it would just turn it into dust. Yes. <laughs> yes. The stuff that would show up in the blender was really scary, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So what? while we're at it, um, what are some, some good ways for businesses and business owners to drive engagement on social media? Yeah, good question. Um, one, one thing I like to tell folks, an easy thing to do is um, I liken it to getting at a wedding. You know, it's hard to get people on the dance floor. So you get the wedding party to join in and it sort of warms the audience or the rest of the guests up to be on the dance floor. I liken that to getting engagement on social. So if you if you're you're uh, 
focused on getting engagement and it's not happening, get your people or some sort of connections to uh, start responding. So for example, you know, you post a question on your LinkedIn page and you've got a team of six people, get those other six people to go on there and comment and engage. If you can't get your own staff or own company engaging with your content, why would you expect your audience to do so? So I would plant um, commenters, question answers, um, engagers to start getting you some of that engagement. That's one way to get more engagement. Mm. Um, Obviously, another way is to boost, as we talked about before. So that's number two. Um, And number three is to not forget about um, letting people know how you'd like them to respond. So I've, here's a really fun one for you LinkedIn users. You notice that LinkedIn has all those different icons now, the the clap hands, the heart in the hand, the heart, and a couple other ones. I've noticed, and I thought it was really cool, I didn't come up with this, I just saw it, where uh, somebody would ask a question and ask people to use those icons as the way to answer, almost like a polling way. And I saw some really great results with that. You know, people were given a a very creative way to be able to engage with their answer on that and saw some cool results. So so ask for the engagement and then tell them exactly how you'd like them to respond. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, I had a question earlier on and I forgot to ask and I think it's important. Let's say that I'm starting with social media or I have been on social media for a while. I'm trying to... Uh, be on multiple platforms, nothing is working. What are your suggestions and tips on how to pick the one social media platform to master? Yeah, um, that is, I appreciate you asking that question because that's an important one. Even before you dive in, it's really to figure out who, who your demographic of your typical audience is. And I recognize too that a lot of us have a wide range of prospects, you know. So I look at it like a bell curve, and wherever that that major area is, is where I want you to focus. So what's their age, you know? Um, again, what's their demographic like? Um, you know, is it tend to be B to B, or is it much heavier B to C? Um, do they tend to still be kind of the older generation? When I say older, I'm kind of talking about myself nowadays, but you know, 45 plus, you know, those things will dictate to me where you should start. Um, and obviously if it's, you know, B2B, it's LinkedIn. If it's 40 plus, it's Facebook. If it's the millennial, zennial market, it um, definitely could be Instagram um, slash Facebook. You know, the beauty behind Instagram and Facebook is that they're owned by the same company. So if you have a lot of anti-Facebookers out there who are a little bit younger, and uh, but they tend to migrate to Instagram, which they work so well together because they're owned by the same company. Um, and then if they're younger, you know, then then obviously TikTok um, comes into play, and so does Snapchat. Not my expertise. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about those platforms because that's not my market. Um, but that would certainly be the place that I might start. And then you know, a couple other platforms out there just so people are aware is that, you know, I was just talking about Pinterest yesterday. I don't ever talk about Pinterest, Mustafa, very rarely. But in certain industries, it it, it makes it complete sense. Yeah, real yeah. estate, um, you know, interior kitchen, designer, interior designer, weddings. Yeah, uh, photographers. Photographers, it's huge, right? Um, and, you know, and then there are other platforms like House and, um, and even some of the fringe sites that might make sense for certain demographics. 
So all that being said, the answer to your question is figure out who your market is and then prioritize the platform from there. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to add a comment about my experience with this, and I'm going to go over a question that I see here. And that is, uh, tell me if, if you if you would agree or disagree with this. And that the, the, the experience is try to master one platform, one strategy, and be the best at it. Make it work for you. And that should be more than enough for you. Like if your your audience hangs out on Facebook, get on Facebook, learn how to do Facebook, forget about everything else. And you can make a lot of money. Do you think that's a true statement or is that a false statement or uh, do, do we need to modify it? I think it's true. I, I look at kind of what you're doing right now. I think like you're focused on this, you know, daily confidence uh, video series, podcast series. And I'm, I'm assuming that this is the lion's share of the time that you're spending dedicating to your your social. And, um, and, and like, you're a good example where you can still syndicate across platforms. So you're giving, you're showing some love to YouTube, showing some love to Twitter, Facebook, but you're primarily focused on this episodic kind of content. And I love that. So I'm a big fan of that. So for those that are saying, gosh, you know, uh, I don't know where to begin. I like your idea of one platform, but I even like even more so one strategy. Mm-hmm. So that might be this episodic type of content like you're doing now, or maybe that's just, um, you know, once a week, it's an interview or even it's just you on camera. Or maybe if you're not a camera person, um, I'll tell you what I do really quickly. Um, once a week with my team, besides doing video, I write a meaty piece of content. So I sit there on Monday and I say, you know, what is something that I could write about that would be of value to my crowd? And I write about it and I send it to my social team. And they chop it up and they post it throughout the week. So any of the content you see on our stuff typically comes from the one piece of meaty content that I do during the week. Um, And that seems to be the heart and soul of our content. So does does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I have a question here. Adil says, can you comment on asking for comment on social media platforms? Is it generally a good idea? And he says he heard that it's not a good practice to overdo it or do it too much. Yeah, the one um, warning I would give to asking is is I would really uh, prep some people to answer because it never looks good to ask and not get answered, right? It mm-hmm. makes us look kind of um, quiet and empty. And I've, I've fallen uh, guilty of that ourselves with some of the content that we've done. So um, if you are going to do a poll or ask that type of thing, um, I think it's a good idea to uh, prep some people. Another little quick tip for you. Um, when you do polls and such, I set them up or we set them up in a way that doesn't show respondents. It just shows percentages. So for example, it might be 30, 70, and maybe six people did the the poll, but it doesn't show that six people responded to the poll, you know? So doing things like that, just, you know, especially if you're starting out or you don't have a huge pool to to choose from, um, setting yourself up for success so that it doesn't look like it's super quiet is is a good idea, but I'm okay for asking for comments, but not overdoing it and and prep a couple people to 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 answer those comments. Absolutely. Can I share a question that we actually tested over the weekend and he actually got good responses? Sure, absolutely. So the question is, what do you hate about X? Mm-hmm. That's some market research that you could do with your with your audience and ask, what do you hate about marketing? What do you hate about social media? What do you hate about accounting? And then that's a very good uh, engaging question Mm. that they will give you some business ideas 
there's probably some article titles in there that you could write about. And uh, people really talk, like to talk about what they don't like. I love and, that. I, right? I'm going to write that down. I absolutely love that. So we actually, we were doing our quarterly planning workshop here this weekend. And uh, we actually did a deer in the workshop. And by within a day or two, each of our students had probably 10 or 20 comments about what they hate about, say, stress, what they hate about marketing and, you know, the, the rest of it. But I love a- that. Um, again, I would plant a couple of people um, to start that that conversation. I've actually been told by people that they don't like to be the first. It's really interesting. I've heard that in audiences. Um, but yeah, plant that a couple of times. Plus, when you plant comment, I say plant, you know, just ask, you know, certain people, make sure they do it. But it also indicates to the social network or the social platform that this is getting a little bit more engagement for you. And they may um, up the algorithm a bit and get it to a few more people. So all that is good for overall engagement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, asking good questions. Uh, and we actually did what you actually suggested as well. So we actually went on each other's post. We liked it and we responded. Like And like you said, I don't want to be the first guy or some people don't like to be. And so you're like, and, and it kind of drives that social proof as well saying, oh, other people are engaging on this post. I should too. And I have an opinion. Yeah, so absolutely. That's a great way to get them started. Absolutely. And another thing that kind of um, you asked about engagement, this is actually flipping it on its head, but I think it's really important. I dedicate time once a day to go out on my tribe's content and engage with their content. Um, I, I, I go with the sole purpose to engage with other people's posts and not do any content posting myself. Hmm. You know, you know, a lot of people like, you know, you and I got to make sure we get connected. And, and as I move forward, I'll make sure to, you know, like your stuff and engage with your, your upcoming podcast episodes and such. And, you know, what that does is um, not only is it, is it, I like to do it, especially the stuff that I'm interested in, but it, it, um, it reminds people that you're there obviously. So it's a top of mind strategy. And of course it's a karma strategy that typically you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of philosophy. So, um, you know, we are both mutually friends with my friend, David Newman, and we do that for each other all the time. You know, I'm constantly going out and engaging with his stuff and I make sure to because he does it for me. And that's another way of um, making sure that that you're getting engagement. So 15 minutes a day, folks, go out on social media with the sole purpose to engage with other people's posts and not your own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good idea. I really like that idea, especially with your tribe and with your friends and people that you support or, you know, maybe if they're your customers, they're your program, you like them, comment and. And it kind of encourages other people to engage with their post as well. Yes. And they would, they would turn around and do the same with you. Like comment, like, share your post and engage in different formats. 100%. Hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. I, I really like your idea about spending money on social, a little bit of money on social media too, because relying heavily on organic alone will take a lot of time and man hours, right? But if you spend a little bit of money to boost it to your target audience, and I, and the other thing is you can still pixel those people as well and the people that engage with you even on social media. I really like that. Yeah, I mean, not only, you know, we talked about obviously advertising with social, but the other side of it is figuring out what you don't want to do or don't have time to do. 
and just being very honest with yourselves about that. So even in my business, being in social media, you'd be shocked at how little I post on social media. Mm -hmm. um, as I've gotten older, as I've got, you know, I've got kids, I've been gotten busier. You know, I typically travel in non-COVID times quite a bit. I've just, you know, had to recognize that I'm not on Instagram every day. I'm not, you know, doing live videos as much as I used to. So what did I have to do? Well, I either stopped posting and, 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 you know, that's not a good idea, especially in my industry, or I figure out how to, to get help. And, and that's what I did with my team. So it doesn't mean it's not my content. Be, be clear with that. You know, I'm driving the content. I'm just not clicking the buttons. And I think that that's important for your, your listeners out there that, if you are not, you know, actively engaged on these platforms, but you think they're important, you don't have to be actively engaged on Facebook. You can be a content creator and get other people um, to make it look right, beautiful, hashtagged properly um, and fit in perfect, you know, uh, dimensions for each platform and have it done consistently for you. And all you have to be is a content creator. Absolutely. Uh, another thing I think I, I remember it's as you keep promoting some of these um, posts on social media, uh, you will know which one is actually getting better responses. So you could probably even pump more money in there if it's working. Uh, I, that's a great best practice, a hundred percent, and that's exactly what we do. If if we post something and it starts to get even a little organic engagement, it's a great post to boost. Perfect. Um, and if we boost something and it starts to really move, we might boost it some more, just like you said. I mean, if it's working, why would you want to <laughs> go create more stuff? It's working. And the opposite is true, too. We might think that we created the best, most engaging post ever, and we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, so, have a, okay. I, have a, I have a little, um, uh, I call it my, my uh, let's call it the Mustafa test. And that is, if I, if I think it's really stupid, I should definitely try it and test it. <laughs> nice and if i think it's brilliant it's probably a dumb idea i love like, it like that that guy the guy whoever came up with the blender idea probably thought it's a stupid idea to I blend love an iphone and yeah. then he tested it and it caught fire and people are like wow that's amazing yes so, yes no the, the you're at, uh, we are not our own best gauge for what's going to get engagement or not i can yeah. promise you that you're 100 I, I, I i have a I have a thing to do things that I'm scared of mm -hmm. or things that I think um, are stupid. Mm. They usually give me better returns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Another one that uh, just popped in my head that's really good for getting engagement is um, newsjacking. And what I essentially mean by that, in my definition, it might be different for other people, but it's simply like whatever everybody else is talking about, if you can create a thread uh, between that topic and your business, um, you can anticipate more engagement. So an example of that right now would be March Madness. Um, here in the States, and you may have international listeners, um, March Madness is on a lot of people's minds. And so Dale Carnegie is a client of ours, uh, which does um, professional development and you know public speaking and leadership programs. And, and Dale Carnegie's got these human relations principles, 30 of them. And so we did a, um, a March Madness bracket around the principles and let people vote on which ones got all the way to the final four and then eventually the winner. And it did great. It was one of our highest engagement we've ever had with them. And I think the reason it did so well 
is not because we created a bracket, but because we created a bracket during time when everybody was watching and, and doing their own brackets for March Madness. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Hmm. So writing on some other thing that is going on, and then you just use maybe the tags and engage in the posts and write yeah. in the way there. Yeah, and be careful with that now. A couple of warnings slash caveats with that. One would be obviously, but it goes without saying, don't jump on anything that's newsworthy that you don't want to talk about or that might frustrate people. Um, politics, you know, you know, uh, terrorism, you know, stuff that's really not a good idea to to mix in with your content. So I'm not saying that. So typically what our um, litmus test or gauge as to whether or not we should do it is, can we offend anyone? If we can, like we have a hard time offending anyone with March Madness, maybe somebody who hates sports or hates basketball, but we're pretty safe there. So yeah. we were fine with it. But, um, you know, we're yeah, very- you gotta be careful, I guess, with your audience. Yeah, we're very careful. Even with holidays and such, we try not to- um, we try not to, you know, make people, you know, especially if we have any kind of internet, like a good example, uh, a lot of our clients are North American based. Yeah. So we want to be careful about saying, you know, happy 4th of July or happy Thanksgiving, because that's, it's American based and um, at least create some context to our American friends. Mm -hmm. Happy Thanksgiving to you, you know, or, you know, Boxing Day in Canada or whatever. Um, so that we don't look like we're not paying attention or being um, insensitive to our audience. That's definitely a part of it. And the other little quick caveat on the newsjacking thing is don't try too hard because it can go the other direction. So if you throw out something, you know, willy nilly on something, you know, and it just looks like you're trying to get likes or connections, they'll call you out for it on that, you know? So take some time, like, like we did in that case, like, we really found something that made sense with what was going on in our little world and Dale Carnegie's world. And it worked together. Mm -hmm. But if you just throw something out there and it doesn't really make sense, we've been called out on that before. So beware of that. Absolutely. So what, so while we're at it, I have a question I'm going to ask to my next important question. And uh, Adele says, uh, any suggestions on messenger and WhatsApp? Yeah, I don't work too much as uh, on those strategies for our clients, so I don't have too much to tell you on that. The only thing I'll say that we've found in the past is if, if you're using that as sort of lead gen or customer service, which I think is great, just make sure that you are um, they are actively responding to it. Don't frustrate your audience. So never use a feature that you're not actively managing. And I've been on the receiving end of this. I send a message via messenger and I get an Autobot, which is fine, but eventually if I'm ready to get to a customer service rep and then it's crickets, well, you lose me as a customer. So just make sure that if you are diving into a feature like WhatsApp or Messenger, that there's somebody on the other end or there's an autoresponder on the other end that gives me a good customer experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I haven't done much with um, uh, the Messenger or WhatsApp. The only thing I've done is I set up WhatsApp on my Facebook page, and that hasn't been doing much for me. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. Um, so how do you deal with negativity? If, if, if you make a post, let's say Happy Fourth of July, or you say something and people of different faith or people of different opinions, they get offended. How do you deal with that? 
in, in those type of cases, you know, I, uh, I actually use a Dale Carnegie principle and I, I, I'm quick to apologize, you know, and apologize, uh, emphatically and, uh, sincerely, um, you know, cause it, especially if we were wrong, you know, or if we weren't thinking fully about everybody, you know, and, um, we're very sensitive to that. But um, a couple additions to that and, and with response to negativity, one thing we try really hard not to do, and I recommend to all of you out there, don't pick fights. You know, I mean, keyboard warriors, man. I mean, it's like everybody's just it seems like everybody's just waiting for a brand or, or a person or an influencer to to respond negatively. And then they go to, you know, toe to toe. And as a business, I don't think that's helpful. So a few best practices, if I will, on, on just responding to negativity, whether it be reviews or just overall negative sentiment on a post, like you said, um, be as, as empathetic as you possibly can. Try to fix the problem. The cool thing is that there's been studies that have found that if a business responds to a negative review and tries to fix the problem and or fixes the problem, and the reviewer goes back and, and says, hey, thank you so much. I'm good. That does more from a overall satisfaction than if it never happened at all, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. And I think that just indicates that people appreciate authenticity and businesses owning the fact that we're not perfect and we make mistakes, which is cool. Um, but if you can't fix the problem, take it offline as quickly as possible. So don't pick a fight. Don't, you know, go back and forth, back and forth. If it can't be fixed, then just say, hey, I'm really sorry this happened. I'd like to get your email address or phone number so that I can work with you to try to respond and fix your issue and, and leave it at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. In my experience, when you, when you, when you try to pick a fight, it, it never ends well. No. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look professional. And people do see that. And like you said, we have a pretty good chance of converting that negative comment into a paying customer yes if and actually probably a higher chance than maybe the positive ones yep. because in my experience when when people have a negative feedback is that's when they care they were actually thinking about signing up and they saw that uh the objection or they saw something wrong and now when you address it professionally then you have a chance of having a lifelong loyal customer amen yeah right Who's going to talk oh, about you versus screw you. Sorry, you cut you off versus like, oh, you saw a problem. Screw you. Blah, blah, right. blah, blah. Here is, you know, they, they may go to the end of the earth to um, promote you after helping solve their problem. I remember I had a guy who gave me a scathing, scathing book review, uh, my first book. And part of the reason for that was that I wrote a very non evergreen book. So at the time, from my best of my knowledge, uh, everything was accurate, the rules, the strategies that I gave. But years later, those strategies from Google and all the other stuff changed. So he he beat me up for it. But we got on the phone and I talked with him about it. I, I you know, I listened to him. I said, you know, in some cases, you're absolutely right. Here's my reasoning for other things. We ended up having a good friendship. I think he even booked me for a speaking gig in Toronto. Um, so, you know, I mean, it definitely happens. And there's a, there's a meme out there that if you guys want to search it or something, you've probably seen it, but I absolutely love it. And when I get back out speaking, I, I'll definitely show it as an example, but it's two dogs and there's a, there's a barrier between them and they are vicious dogs and they're screaming at each other. Rah! And then the gate opens up and they're just like, you know, licking and just sweet as can be and totally quiet. 
Then the gate closes and then they're vicious again. And then the gate comes back up and nothing. And then the gate and it goes back and forth. And it's just like, <laughs> if that doesn't like talk about this computer thing between people, I don't know what does. It's crazy. Absolutely. <clears throat> so Corey, I understand you're sharing a gift with us um, about your masterclass. Yeah. So what I thought I would do is um, I've got a presentation, my typical presentation that I do on stage. And I often people always ask for my slides. And so my slides are really a lot of to do's and summaries of what I talked about. So what I thought I would do is, is give your uh, the folks that are watching us or listening via podcast the opportunity just to have those slides, to review them, to keep them, to soak them in um, and, and, and have them. Yeah. So that's what that is. Fantastic. So, gang, as you can see, Corey is a, has a wealth of knowledge and experience when it comes to social media. If you want to tap into his experience and uh, get his uh, uh, training slides and the to-do lists that he has around different parts of social media management and marketing and the rest of it, I put the link uh, uh, in the chat box. It is in the show notes as well if you're listening. And uh, so go grab it. And uh, if you uh, want to tap into his expertise, reach out, have a conversation. I know a few people that do know him and um, uh, they wouldn't recommend him unless he was really good at what he does. So go ahead and get access to that. Now, Corey, what are some of the books that have made a massive impact in your life or in your business? Oh, I really love that question. Um, one was E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Um, mm -hmm. Very much an entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, employee versus employer kind of mindset stuff. Um, really great book. Mm -hmm. uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon yep. Lecter. Uh, big time for me in, in the early stages of my career. Um, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins is another one that I absolutely just I've read over and over and over again. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, again, a plug to my buddy, David Newman, but uh, his, both of his books, do it speaking, do it marketing have been um, on my shelf reviewed multiple times. Um, he also gets a lot of other experts besides himself to share their wisdom in those books, which I thought have been super helpful, very, very tactical. Um, so those are, those are good ones. Um, just think of a couple of others. Uh, you know, Dale Carnegie's books, as I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, one of the best ever uh, that I've 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 read and I, I reread over and over and over again. Um, and then just a podcast. I know you didn't ask that question, but I love uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast. I'm yeah. a huge, avid listener to that and and love it a great, great deal. So I've, I've gained so much interesting information from his podcast. So. Yeah, he does share a lot of good. And I just saw like a three and a half hour podcast from him. One of his latest ones. It's like, I got to go on a drive for that one. Exactly. But, um, he does yeah. share a lot of good stuff. Yes. Multiple runs or multiple drives to get through a Tim Ferriss podcast, but they're usually yeah. worth it. it is, they're worth it. He has some really good people in there. So those are some amazing books. Uh, books. I've read most of them, except for David Newman's book, which now is on my list to go read. And uh, that's amazing. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Now, uh, Curry, if you had a Facebook ad or an internet ad where everyone on the internet would see, what would your message be? Hmm. 
I would say, you know, um, I love, I love teaching. So I love being, I love being on the road. Um, not too often cause I love my family, but, um, so, you know, if I could offer value to your audience, um, whether that be in person or virtual in 2021, uh, I would definitely offer that. And you can go to coreyperlman.com, which is my name, which, you know, you find on here to see more about that. And then from our agency standpoint, you know, we're really good at keeping people top of mind and businesses top of mind. They used to say in the olden days that seven touches to make a sale, you know, but nowadays it's like 70, you know, or, 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 you know, just a lot more. And so keeping businesses on the radar of people that are interested in them from research mode all the way to buy mode is what our, what our, our business does best. And so I would send them to impactsocialmedia.com which is mm -hmm. our website for our agency, impactsocialmedia.com. And they'd learn more about that. So those would be our two ads. I appreciate you asking that question. Um, what's one piece of advice that you received that made a massive impact in your business or in your life? Fire myself. Fire myself it. on anything that I am not a complete expert in or that I do not like to do. Um, that has been hugely valuable, which I think one of the ways I learned that advice, ironically, was from Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which is another book I would recommend. So circle back on that. Shout out again to him. Um, but that advice of fire myself. Um, so, you know, I used to like dabble in websites and, and, and you know, again, you know, create Instagram posts or work in Canva. And I just wasn't very good at it. Um, so I stopped doing it. I now have a team of people who are freaking magicians at it, um, and creating e-newsletters. So, you know, if it's not something you love to do, find other people who are really good at doing it. And then just one recent one, I'll, I'll leave you with, you know, just advice wise that, um, early on in the pandemic, um, I had, you know, our accountant who I've been with for a very long, long time. Um, we were trying to get the PPP loan and we never heard from them. Like I expected to hear more from them in times of crisis. And so um, they are no longer our accountant. On the flip side, my banker here, which is with a very large bank, by the way, um, called me out of the blue about a year ago. And was like, hey, Corey, um, I know you're a small business. I know this is challenging. I know you're probably trying to get this PPP thing. They have no idea what it is. How can we help? How can we support you? What can I do? You know, can I walk you through this? And I was like, yes, thank you. And he did. And so it was a huge reminder to me that we have to make sure that we are uh, not just reaching out to our customers and clients when we need something, but when they need something. And so I have done, I've tried to do a better job now and in the future of reaching out to my clients and customers and just saying, how can I help mm -hmm. how can I be of service? But I don't want them to wait six, eight months to be like, gosh, you know, it'd been nice to hear from Corey more. Um, so Absolutely. that wasn't advice given to me, but it was an advice that I've had to learn over the last 12, 16 months. And that's, uh, that's a very, in my experience, the most profitable advice. When you reach out to your customers and would like that and every once in a while and say, hey, can I help? Yes. And usually they come back and say, yeah, I actually was expecting a call. Thanks yeah. for <laughs> reaching, yeah. out, reaching out. Here's what I need.
They never say to you, you know, can you stop over communicating and offering value to me? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, they never ask you to stop, but they, they typically, when they leave, they, they might say, eh, we could have heard from you guys a little bit more. Fantastic. Curry, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Um, don't, don't keep the music inside of you. Um, you know, that, you know, you, we think we were busy pre, you know, when we were younger, you have no idea how busy you get when you're older. So to my 20 year old self, I would say, you know, write the books, you know, um, write the poems, write the songs, um, you know, take the trips, you know, don't wait, you know, until you think that there's going to be a right time. Cause there isn't. Um, and so, you know, and, and I did do some of that, which I am kind of proud of, but I certainly could have done more of it. Um, and I guess, you know, a little personal note, I guess don't take, you know, uh, relationships for granted, you know, at 20 years old, I would have only had my mom for four more years. So I would have visited her more and seen her more because I didn't know that, you know, it was only going to be four more years that I'd have her. So, uh, cherish those relationships because, you know, time is indeed short. Absolutely. Love those. Love those. Don't keep your song in sight. Did I get that right? Don't keep your mind. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, music. don't, the music inside. Yeah. Let it out and nurture your relationships. because you never know how long you're going to have them. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. This has been an absolute, um, amazing, um, um, conversation. Some, some good value that, uh, you shared, um, to do is what to do, what not to do. Because I know social media these days is very important, especially with all this whole online madness that we have going on because of COVID. So gang, uh, if you um, want to reach out to Corey, what was the website again, Corey? Yeah, it's my name, CoreyPerlman.com, uh, C-O-R-E-Y-P-E-R-L-M-A-N.com or ImpactSocialMedia.com. ImpactSocialMedia.com will get you to us. Beauty. Corey, is there anything that you'd like to add that we haven't talked about? Well, you're an excellent interviewer. You ask great questions and I really enjoyed this conversation and the questions at the end, you know, just to kind of pull out a little bit more beyond just social media. Um, but yeah, I would just say uh, perfectionists are the, the, the enemy to progress when it comes to social media in particular. So if you are a perfectionist, um, try to get away from that and just try to be more consistent on this, I think you're a great example of that where I'm sure doing this over and over and over again, I bet you when you first did StreamYard, it was a painful experience and now you are a pro. And that's what happens when you do something consistently. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Great to have you again. If you're watching or listening, uh, one way that we add value to our audience is by help them, helping them create and implement their one page marketing plan through our uh, bootcamp simple marketing formula and we do that over a weekend so if you wanted to create your one-page marketing plan for 2021 and increase your chances of reaching your goals and being successful uh by at least 40 times uh check the link in the chat box and in the in the show notes and uh check check the page for the upcoming dates i appreciate you thank you for joining us again if you want to get enter the draw for winning the gifts if you like the show tag someone in there if they could benefit from the conversation ask questions and stay engaged you enter uh, into the draw and then we'll go from there thank you for joining us
Uh, my name is Mustafa Hosseini. And uh, thank you, Corey, for joining me again. And you guys have a great day. And we'll see you on our next episode. Thanks, everybody.